What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Monkey Mind Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Danny Perez, along with Anthony Florentino. This podcast is proudly brought to you by our friends over at Daily Dose CBD, Inc. They're a CBD company based out of New Jersey, and they produce an extremely effective CBD product, ranging from oils to body balms. They've given all Monkey Mind listeners 15% off their online store. Just go to DailyDoseCBDInc.com and use promo code MONKEYMIND15 to get 15% off your order. That's DailyDoseCBDInc.com, promo code MONKEYMIND15. Today's episode is episode 41 featuring Sam Reniker. Sam is a former Division I hockey player at Niagara University and the University of Maine. Let's get into the episode. Tell everybody who you are and introduce yourself and uh, yeah, your background. All right. I'm uh, Sam Reniker from <clears throat> Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, hockey background, right? You don't need oh, yeah. Life yeah. No. <laughs> we'll go hockey. Yeah. All right. So I, uh, I played, we'll go, I played double A hockey growing up my whole life um, in Grand Rapids on the west side of Michigan. We had one triple A team. Uh, they weren't very good, so I never really wanted to play for them. Didn't want to drive over to Detroit uh, and do that whole thing. So I played double A all the way up to my sophomore year of high school, and I started playing high school hockey in Michigan. Um, did that for three years. Um, uh, my senior year, did a bunch of – we have a bunch of all-star teams and stuff it was in Michigan, Team Michigan, all that, go to a couple showcases. So I did that uh, my junior and senior year. Ended up getting drafted to Des Moines um, my senior year of high school. Went to camp that summer. Ended up getting cut in the preseason um, my first year. Then I went to uh, Topeka in the Nall. Played two years there. Um, had a blast. That place is a good time. Um, then I ended up, it's kind of a funny story of how I committed. Um, I had another year left of juniors and I was out golfing with one of my buddy in the summer and my coach calls me, my junior coach and goes, Hey, I have Niagara university on the phone right now. Um, they're offering you a scholarship. Like that's how he answered the phone. I'm like, what, what do you mean? What's going on? He's like, do you want to take it? Like, well, what do you, I'm like, on the eighth hole in the fairway and I get a call from my coach and I'm like, uh, I mean, I'd like to go on a visit. I'd like to see the school. And he's like, all right, you can go on a visit next week. Um, by the way, I got like, I got you more money. Like this happened in like three minutes on the golf course. And I'm like, what is this guy doing? So I go on my visit, everything's, you know, every time you go on a visit, everything's amazing. It feels feels great feels like home which it did it was it was awesome um so I ended up committing to Niagara uh I think halfway through the summer so I played really only played two years there um my third year after my second year we got a new coach um so going into my third year it was kind of nice we were really bad my first two years so getting a new coach is kind of fresh start fresh start for everyone I was kind of a fourth line guy my first two years. I mean, I, I played a lot of games. I played like close to 70 games my first two years. 
Um, and then this new guy comes in and he comes in and I'm fourth line center, but I'm on the power play. First guy out on the penalty kill. Things are going great. First game of the season, I mess up my groin. Like I didn't pull it, but it was bad enough to where we had one game the next weekend. And I talked to the coach and I was like, Hey, I can play. He's like, no, no, no. It doesn't make sense for you to play one non-conference game, get hurt and be out like more in the season. Like I totally agree with you. So I sat out the one game and then the rest of the year, I think I ended up playing a total of like 15 games. Um, End of the year comes, we have a team meeting, uh, team meeting ends, coaches aren't there. It was like for our school, it was like a survey we had to fill out that they did every year. And I'm walking out with probably like 10 guys and our team manager goes, Hey, uh, coach wants to see you at the rink. And I'm like, well, that's not good. Never good. And no, in front of, in front of like everyone too. So I was like, all right, that kind of sucks. Yeah. So I go, um, and throughout the year he had really like the coach had kind of just been telling me things like, I don't know if you guys have ever gone through it. You go into a coach's office and they kind of just tell you things to get you out of their office is what it seemed like to me. Um, so at the end of the year when ended up getting cut from the team at Niagara and he tells me that he doesn't think I'm fast enough to play college hockey and all these things. And I'm like, okay, anyways, so I'm, I get home devastated, right? Call my parents. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have one more year left. I can go play D3. Chances of me playing at, I, this is still when I thought I wanted to play after, after college. And I'm like, I could go play D3. Chances of me playing D or playing after D3 are kind of slim, but there is still a chance. So I wanted to go to a D3 school. Um, that gave me the best chance to play. Um, so I actually had it set up for a while to go to UMass Boston. Um, this was after probably three months straight of my advisor emailing every D1 coach, sending out video to every D1 coach. And actually Gite from Maine was the only coach that answered both emails. Um, so he calls me the weekend of my brother's bachelor party in the middle of summer. He calls me at at four in the afternoon on a Saturday, the weekend of my brother's bachelor party did not answer that one. Um, so I called him back on Sunday and he's like, we want you to come. I, we know you have one year left, but we think you can help our team. So this was actually the crazy part was earlier that week. I kind of, I kind of like broke down with my dad. Um, we were sitting in my, uh, living room at home and my dad just, he, he wants what's best for me. He always has. And he's just asking me all these questions. And I, I finally just like looked at him. I was like, dad, I, I don't think I want to play hockey anymore. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, this has just been, it's been too hard. Like it was four straight months of people telling me no. And D3 schools calling me, honestly, probably two or three of them every single day. And me having to talk to coaches and say, well, I'm waiting for D1 offers, but yeah, I'll keep you in mind. So I sat my dad down. I got, I honestly like was tearing up. I mean, it's hard for me to talk about right now because it sucked. So like, I don't, I, I think I'm done. Like if, 
I'm not going to go play D3. I think I'm just going to go back to Niagara, finish my last year. Um, They're going to pay for my schooling, which was nice. But yeah, so ended up getting to go to Maine. And I mean, I've told everyone at Maine when I was there, I told the coaches like it was the best thing that ever happened to me because um, I think Dan can attest to this. I'm a pretty positive guy, pretty happy person. Um, and for those four months, I was not, um, it sucked. It was bad. I, uh, I never, ever, ever have gotten in a fight with my parents or yelled at my parents. And I think in those four months, I probably did it like two or three times. And after it happened, I was like, what the heck is going on? Like, why am I like this? But it's just like the effect of, I mean, so many people like just, not feeling wanted from the first time when I got cut to then so many D one schools saying, no, it was just like, like, this sucks. Like I, like I went through it in juniors, I got cut, but I found another team the next day. It was just, it was tough. Um, yeah. So that's kind of my story. Sorry. I was a little long. No, that's perfect. I mean, I think you kind of have a good story in the sense of that you weren't, taking the most traditional route you know you played double a and then you know didn't make the ushl which a lot of the players play in division one you know when you look at the rosters you see a lot of that so like i think it's great that you have such an awesome story of like the road less traveled and that there's guys out there who still do make it and you know i know the feeling of being denied and it comes to a point where it's like how much more can you take and you were at that point going into you know that senior year you know, going to your last year and that's always tough. And it's, it shows that how much of a, um, a toll hockey, how big of a role it plays and how much of a toll it could take when, you know, it's something you love and it can take you to a place when it's not working out that it's pretty tough to deal with. And, you know, we put everything yeah. into this and our heart and our soul and, you know, being denied and especially at such a pivotal time where you want to play after it's your last year. And, yeah, I can only imagine. Well, I know, I know the emotions you were going through. I'm sure, and um, yeah. it's definitely definitely tough to deal with. But um, were you would you say that you've always kind of um, maybe had dealt with? How would you? Yeah, how would you say you have dealt with kind of you know your the setbacks you dealt with previously, and then you know that year kind of what what was going on with you when you were you know that four month span that was maybe uh, different. You'd say. Uh... So before, so I kind of had a couple things, not big things, but like when I was in high school, <clears throat> um, I was told by multiple people that like I was going to be a first round USHL draft pick. Like, like a lot of people were telling me this and I went to a showcase for team Michigan and the coach just had it out for me. I don't, I don't know why, because every other all-star team that I played in Michigan, I played on the first line with another kid that ended up going to fair state. Um, and then I went to that showcase and it was the last thing before the draft and he just wouldn't play me. He would like plug me in on the fourth line and kind of, it was basically just to give everyone else a break. Um, which wasn't that big of a deal. Um, ended up getting drafted still and like made the team out of camp and then that happened, whatever. But the stuff at Niagara, was just, it was just so hard because I really did. I thought that I earned my way onto the, like into the lineup my freshman year. 
Like when I started, I played the first game my freshman year. wasn't expecting that because I had, I was in a class with 10 guys and probably eight of them had more points than me in juniors and they were skill guys. You know what I mean? So I was like, okay, like I'm going to go in there and give them my best shot. But if I don't play every game, I'm not stupid. I know freshmen don't play every game. It's not a big deal. And then I ended up playing every game except for two. So going into my sophomore year, I'm like, all right, let's go. Like, I know I can do this. Same thing. Every game except for two going into my third year. Sweet new coach. I can show what I show them what I can do all this stuff. And I think I went, I think the second half of the year, we won maybe two games the whole second half. And I probably played five games total. So that was the tough part. I think the whole month of January, my third year, I didn't play. I didn't go on road trips. And that's kind of when um, I started looking. I mean, you're in college, you start doing other things, right? When the team's on the road. So yeah, started like going out more. Um, I would like when the team would leave on Thursday, Thursdays, I would go out Thursday, wouldn't go in and work out on Friday. It was just, it's not that I didn't care because that, that is the farthest thing from who I am. Like I care every team that I am on, I care a lot and I care a lot about the people who I play with and building relationships and stuff. Um, but I would just walk into the rink every day and I felt like an outsider and it, it sucked. And I know you've been there, Dan, cause the year before I got to Maine, cause we've talked a little bit and you, I know went through that same thing. It just, I would walk into the rink and my coaches wouldn't even say hi to me. Like they would say hi to the four people around me in the locker room and wouldn't say hi to me. Yeah. So it was just it's tough. And then when I did get cut, I was like, okay, um, this is in the first like month, like whatever I'm going to have, not whatever. I was still upset, but I was like, I'm going to have fun. Like I'm in college, I'm not going to let this ruin the last month and a half of the year at school. So I went out a decent amount, which is not like me. Um, and yeah, it just kind of, for those four or five months, I was just a, a different person and I hated it. Like I really did not like where I was like the path I was going down. Um, I just, I pride myself on being someone that guys want to be around. People want to be around like a positive person. And I, I wasn't, and I, I, it, that's the main thing that, that bothered me the most is that I could tell that people were like uncomfortable to be around me because of how on edge I was and how they could clearly see I was upset. Everybody knew I was upset, but I just, I just didn't, I don't like being a guy that people don't want to be around. Yeah. Not that I like being the center of attention or anything like that. I just, I like to surround myself with positive people because I like to think I'm a positive person. And for those four or five months, I wasn't, and it sucked. It's awful. Yeah. It, it It's really crazy how hockey can give you the highest high that you've ever had, but it can also be be you senseless and you know I feel like I mean as basically every hockey player is you know passionate and you know they're just intense and gets to a point where hockey like at one point in your life was you know the best time of your life and going to the rink was your therapy 
And then for the first time, this shit storm happens and you have no idea how to handle it because the one thing that truly could, you know, just like freeze your mind with all the other BS going on in your life is the only thing that's causing you that, that pain. Yeah. And, you know, like what you said, you know, that last month and a half, you're going to have fun. Like it gets to a point where you don't have any other option than just, you know, finally enjoy yourself because, you know, you don't have, I mean, obviously friends, family, like stuff like that is always there, but like the absence of that feeling that you get going to the rink is so powerful that when you lose it, it, I mean, for me, I'm, I was a legit lost puppy. Like I had no idea what I was doing. Like I did not know what to do with my life. And yeah, like when I talked to my family and my friends and all that stuff, I was, you know, it was like you said, edgy, like, and it's, it's just crazy to see because we invest our whole life to, you know, all the training and all the, you know, sacrifices that we make. And we're like, oh, shit, like, what do I do now? Like, this guy is telling me this. I can't do this. And, I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy that Maine worked out for you and you enjoyed that because, you know, it, it kind of reminds you that, you know, hockey can be fun again. And, like, all the other times that wasn't, it, it's just nice to see that it worked out for you. Yeah, the thing that that ate at me was it wasn't me ending my career. It wasn't me that got to decide, okay, I'm done. Like I'm going to step away from this. It was someone else doing it for me. Mm -hmm. And that, that was the, the root of everything was someone else telling me that I'm done playing hockey, not me deciding to step away. Exactly. Especially when you feel like you have, you know, gas left in the tank too. Exactly. Yeah. And and even the, go ahead, sorry. No, it's just like that, like that, that concept of control, what you can control. And like with hockey, like, I mean, if it was up to me, I'd play till I was 50. Like I I would do whatever I could. And like, I think that frustration behind, like you, like being 23, 24, like you're still able to play, like you don't lose a step of that. Like it's just. So for somebody else to almost like control like everything that you're control, like it just doesn't add up because I get why you have that sour taste in your mouth because especially if that's at such a young age and yeah, 23, 24 is young. Like, and I, I completely agree. And, you know, that's something that's always crossed my mind is going out on my terms, not because somebody else is telling me, what they think because I know there's going to be another guy that could use me in some way and a team like, and that worked out for you. Yeah. It's always taking one place too. I mean, you had one Niagara was your first official offer, right? Yep. And I took it, took it. Right. And then you had only one opportunity to play division one after Niagara, right. And you took it. So it's like, it's not always about having 50 offers and, 50 different yeah. places to play. It's like, sometimes it's just, I mean, well, I know for a fact, cause I've been that guy too. It only takes one person to believe in you yep. and you could really see how your career can flourish. And then one person, the opposite way could 
kill it, you know, and that's a frustrating thing, how much power that some, some people can have on a player's career. And the fact that you said that, you know, you didn't play for a month, the whole month of January. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I went, I think a month and a half at one point, not playing. And it's yeah. like, they can tell you all you want about how you can prove yourself in practice, but it's just not, that's not the truth. It's not the case. And it's just yeah. like, it's like, here, just be quiet. Prove yourself in practice. It's like, you know, exactly. just, we'll buy ourselves maybe a week, you know, or two more time to come up with another excuse or whatever. And that's just the frustrating part. And it builds up to not, you know, when it's a month, when it's a month and a half, you like literally don't feel like a part of the team. And exactly. And I, uh, I'm like not a confrontation person. So like speaking my mind and in, in, in a coach's office or now that I'm working like in a boss's office, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. And I finally, with like two weeks left in the season, I spoke my mind. Um, They're like, is there anything that we can help you with? Um, anything that we can do for you? I go, yeah, I, I want to say one thing. Like I, like I said, you guys, I said it straight to the coaches. I was like, you guys walk in the locker room. You say hi to everyone around me. You don't say hi to me. I feel like I don't exist on this team. I feel like I'm not a part of the team. And I said, I don't want you guys to feel like you have to come in and hug me and say, hi, Sam, how are you? Like, hope you're doing great. But just acknowledge that I exist. And the next day I walk into the locker room, all three coaches walk in, all come to the corner of the locker room where I'm sitting and come shake my hand. Hey, how are you doing today? I'm like, that's not what I wanted. Like, like that's the complete opposite of exactly and I told that I told that to him I go you guys don't have to go out of your way to see how I'm doing or like come do exactly what you did but like it 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 was just so so annoying that just like I said you guys just every meeting was you're not fast enough you need to do this and I like I did it for two full years before you guys got here, like, and had no problem. I never once in a game in college felt like I couldn't keep up with people. Like, and it just, it's just tough. Um, And like you guys said, like bringing the highest of highs and like lowest of lows, like it, that was like, I haven't, like, I've been very lucky in my life to not have a lot of bad things happen to me, but like, when that happened, it was, it was the lowest of the low and it sucked. And then from that, like my main point is what I tell everyone that's like going through stuff, like something good happened. Like everybody says it, but it's hundred percent true. Something good happens out of bad situations. Like I went to Maine, like Dan, that January or February, I got to go to Russia and play in that tournament. Like, if that wouldn't have happened, if I wouldn't have got cut, like I wouldn't have been able to go to Russia for three weeks and play in that tournament. Like it just. What tournament was that? As the world university games. So they usually take like club players for the U S but the year I went, they brought seven D one transfers with the team. So I was one of the seven D one transfers that got picked and like, it just goes to show you like something no matter what happens, like something good is going to come out of it. Whether it take for me, it took a little less than a year, whether it takes less than a year, five years, whatever it is, like something I'm, like I told you guys, I'm a very positive person. And just for things like that to happen. And then my experience at Maine, it just showed, it showed me 100% that like, just be patient. Like 
bad things are going to happen and just stick with it. And even though I was close to not sticking with it, but I'm so happy I did because I had such a cool experience at Maine, such a cool experience when I got to go to Russia and like that one bad thing didn't happen. Like those things wouldn't have ever been possible. So it's cool. Yeah. You talked, you talked about how you mentioned to your dad about, Oh, I might be done. Like, I don't know if I want to play hockey again. You end up at Maine, you know, did you have aspirations to play pro or once you got to Maine kind of enjoyed it, went out on your terms or how did that come about? Um, so I, when I went to Maine, I still was convinced that I wanted to play somewhere um, after college. And then it wasn't until halfway through this past year, my senior year, um, when I was playing, I kind of just, I kind of just realized that I loved, I loved practice. I loved the games. I loved being on the ice, but it was everything else. It was like, I'm not a lazy person, but this is going to sound lazy. Like the grind of working out and just me thinking about coming home as a 25 year old, all my friends have been working for three years already and just going home in that grind of the summer of skating, whatever, working out every day. It just, it didn't excite me. I wasn't excited to go home and do it. Um, so that's kind of when I, when I realized that, all right, like, maybe I don't want to play. And I've been, I watch games. Like I watch the main games. I watch the NHL now that's back and I miss it, but like, I'm not sad. I, yeah. people, people ask me every time I watch hockey with them, they're like, do you miss it? I'm like, yeah, I do. I miss the games and stuff, but I don't miss everything else that went with it and the stress. And I've never really had, like I've listened to you guys. I've never really had like, crazy anxiety but it's definitely it's definitely there like now even now that I'm working like like I'm definitely I definitely have a little bit of anxiety because it's just I think it's just an, a natural thing to be anxious if you care about something right mm -hmm. and I'm always the type of person that likes to do the right thing wants to do the right thing and yeah, it's just, I think it comes with, I think anxiety sometimes comes with when you care about things. If you don't care about things and you don't, it doesn't make you lose sleep over it. It doesn't make you nervous about it. Like, so. No, oh, yeah, big time. I mean, anxiety, I think is so good for people. It's healthy. It's just a way of not allowing it to debilitate you and using it to your advantage, you know, which I struggle with big time. Still do at times, obviously. Yeah. But like Doc Wally helped me out big time and you were there for doc wally Flo obviously knows yeah. doc wally and he was just an outlet for me to go talk to and get a perspective from something that wasn't even about the game but it would translate yeah and he would just help me kind of you know find ways of using the anxiety that i get to my advantage and when i'm feeling certain ways what to do and you know i think um it's tough like I think a lot of the reason why I had so much anxiety at school with hockey is just because like I cared way too much and it sounds ridiculous, but like I think I just cared way too much about like the thoughts that everyone else had about me, like especially like coaching staff, like they dictated everything. I like wasn't even playing the game to play the game. I was playing the game to like get approval from them. Yeah. And that's just like not the right way to go about it. Cause you're just, 
you're not going to win. Like we should be playing the game for you. And as much as, you know, they make the lineup decisions, it doesn't matter. Like whatever, as long as you're out there having fun and having a good time and putting your best foot forward and put, making your best effort. Yeah. The rest, the rest is what happens. Like, that's just it. Like, yeah. So yeah, get worked up over that. Yeah. My last year in anxiety or in Niagara, I had, I had bad anxiety because I was the same way as you. I was always thinking about what the coaches thought. Every single thing I did outside of the rink, inside of the rink, I'm like, Oh my God, if I do this, if I go out during the week, if coach finds out, if I do something, if I'm not in bed by 10, coach finds out like, and that's kind of also the culture that we had that year at Niagara, which was not good. Um, or at least maybe, maybe we didn't, but I felt like we did. And I kind of made a point to myself when I got to Maine, um, that I was just, I was just going to go and have a blast, like have as good a time as I could. Like, like I said, I wasn't a guy that went out a lot, but I knew that going to Maine, like you got, you got to fit in somehow. So I just, not even going out, I just tried my best not to say no to things. If guys wanted to go grab dinner, I, and they asked me, I was saying yes. And especially when I was a senior, because that's when I fully realized, and I'm glad I did, that I wasn't, I wasn't doing it for anyone except for me and to have the best year of my life. And I'm so happy I did that because it allowed me to make so many good relationships with guys. Um, like I didn't play every game my senior year. I got scratched my first game after um, sitting out a year. We played at Providence and I got scratched the first game. And old me would have been like, why am I here? I'm not good enough. I shouldn't be here. They don't want me here. But I was sitting um, before uh, we, it was really weird. We played Providence and then had our exhibition game the next day. Um, and I was talking to a couple guys that also got scratched. And I was like, they were kind of talking to me. One was a freshman, one was a sophomore. And I'm like, guys, like, let's just go out there, like prove to them that we should have played the first game. And they're like, what? I'm like, who, like, yeah, we didn't play yesterday, but like, what, like, what can you do today? It's like, uh, can't handle what happened yesterday. Control what you can control. I'm like, let's go make the coaching staff realize that they made a mistake yesterday and that they should have played us. And they both were like, it's a good way to look at it. I'm like, yeah, because it's, it's the right, it's, it's the only way to look at it because you're controlling what you can control. So I'm happy I did that my senior year. I just, had that mindset of yeah stuff's gonna happen I've already been I've already been through the ringer I've already been through it all so like why not go and have fun and make this year the best year of my life was kind of my my thought process going into that last year at Maine yeah pressure was off I'm sure too which yeah exactly. like you just kind of like you said chalked up to whatever happens happens and I'm sure that gave you a massive sense of relief because yeah your senior year, man, at that point, if you're not going to enjoy it now, like when are you going to, you know? Exactly. There's like, yeah, you have nothing, you have nothing else to lose than to just go and have fun. Like, and when you have fun, I don't know if you guys are this way, but when I have fun, I play better. I'm not a uptight, serious guy that needs to be pissed off to play it. Like if I'm having fun, enjoying myself, I'm going to play better. And I, 
like I said, I realized that it took me a while to realize it, but I realized it my senior year and it worked wonders for me. It was amazing. You talked to Doc Wally quite a bit, didn't you? Um, I talked to him. I never really like wouldn't call him. Uh-huh. But when he came, we had like those meetings and stuff and I, I, yeah. I, or I, maybe I, you're I, one of the guys that not, not talked to him a lot, but like one of the guys who like actually utilized him and would kind of pick his brain about some stuff. Um, I didn't, I wish I would have my, uh, red shirt year because that was a harder year, obviously than, um, my senior year. Um, but I didn't, but looking back on it, I should have, because it got to a certain point in the year too. Like, I think when I came back from Christmas break, I was just like, what, what am I doing? Like, am I really doing all this just to play one year? Like, what's going on and I, I definitely should have reached out to him but I'm also very bad at talking about those things and um, I've always been that way like my mom always gets angry she's like I never know what's going on in your head because you don't talk about anything and it's I definitely should have because um, it would have helped because like you guys know I'm talking about stuff it's just I'm also someone that doesn't like to burden other people with what's going on in my head. So even when I got cut that, that four months, I mean, my parents didn't even know what was going on in my head. Like I wouldn't touch, they would ask me, how, how are you doing? Like, what's going on? And I'm like, I'm fine. Like, don't worry about me. And that's just, it's not the right way to do it, but that's just how I've always been. And this, that year, like, um, Eddie Lindelow was going like he was, wasn't playing a whole lot. And him and I were together all the time. He's one of my best friends now. So he, he was one of the few people that I actually would like talk to it about. And you did like, you're not, you're not burdening other people. Like I heard, I've heard you guys say it multiple times. Like other people are going through the same shit you are. And I love, I personally, I love when people talk to me about that kind of stuff because it almost as much like for the most part, I love helping people love helping people get through stuff. I don't like to see people down, but it also gives me an avenue to talk about stuff that's going on in my head. And once someone opens up to me, then I'm like, all right, cool. Like I can do the same with them. They want to talk to me about it. They obviously aren't going to care if I'm going through the same things because I can give, they can help me. I can help them. It's just like, it makes sense when you sit back and think about it, but to actually do it is so hard. Yeah. It's like, go ahead, Danny. No, no, you got it. No, it's like, uh, you know, Charlie, like Charlie Conway from Mighty Ducks always says he makes, he'll make a better coach and player. Yeah. Like, that's how I think about it, like, when people are, like, talking and, like, talking to me about problems because it's so much easier to tell somebody how to do it and, you know, because if somebody came out to you and you're like, hey, like, maybe you should talk to somebody, like, it will help you, like, get it off your chest, like, it will be just, like, a breath of fresh air to just kind of express yourself, but then to get ourselves to do it, it's it's not easy. So like, I completely get what you're saying, like love helping people and, you know, trying to give them advice, especially now with the podcast, like 
I'm more invested in researching different ways and hearing other people's, you know, ways to handle things. But myself, like I talked to Danny, what was it? Two weeks ago. He's like, dude, call me. Like we're doing this together. Like reach. I was like, ah, no, like, I don't know. Like, so I can fully get what you're saying about it. Cause it, it isn't easy, but it's, it's, it's easy to tell somebody to do it, but yeah. applying it for yourself is, completely different story i thought i think that's why this is so important and it's awesome Rennie, that you're coming on here and telling your story because i think once you open up the door and you make yourself vulnerable it kind of makes people feel comfortable to come to you about some stuff which is kind of like how this whole how i realized this like for me personally with my journey with this was how i realized i wasn't the only one going through stuff i mean yeah. i was an absolute clown at me and you obviously know that and i like to go out you know, and have my fun and, you know, just getting a guy like one-on-one when, when everyone's kind of leaving the party and, you know, just like shooting that. this shit that's in the couch. Favorite. Yeah. That's my favorite, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, man. Like that, that's the best part about, you know, being on the team with the guys and, and just like in those moments, I mean, I would just make a joke about shit. Like I would be holding like a bottle of alcohol and be like, yeah, this yeah. is, you know, this is this this bad boy is getting me get me through yeah. the anxious times like that's how I was and like I was just cool with joking about it that's how I was and I think from that point on I'd make little stupid jokes and little stupid comments like that and it, you would see guys like kind of like oh shit like they'd be like oh you get you get anxious too or like, you get anxiety or whatever yeah. like, I'm like and I've been in the trenches for a bit now and then yeah like you know and then they just start talking and yeah. you just ex- exchange stories and just exchange you know what you're feeling and all of a sudden like you see that guy in the locker room the next day and you just like make eye contact you're like you know you have like similarities about shit that you don't typically talk with people about just a deeper understanding it's like deeper understanding of knowing someone exactly like the other the other thing that i did this past year like i just made sure that i that i got to know people on a much deeper level than i had in my previous three or four years like I was second oldest guy on the team. Um, and I just wanted to make sure. And I think, I think more people need to do this because I think when you're on a team, bunch of dudes and it's hockey, any sport, um, there's everybody talks about like, maybe there's one guy that like, Oh, he's like, he's the dad of our group. Like we can go with, if we have problems, like we can go talk to him and, I was just like, I, I didn't want to be the dad of the group, but I like, I wanted to make sure that people knew if they had stuff going on, like that I was someone that they could come and talk to. Because like I told you guys that I love that stuff. Like I love helping people. I love, I love when someone trusts me enough to talk about those things. And I've had this past year, I had some, deep conversations with some of my teammates about stuff that they did not say to anyone else. And it's just, if you can make yourself that person and make it known that other people can come and talk to you about stuff, um, it helps so much because then maybe, maybe they don't have to go seek help somewhere else because as much as me or any other person that like accepts that role, like you're not a professional in it, but you're there for someone like that's my big thing. Like if you're in a, 
on a team, in a job, anywhere. Now that I bring the real world into it because I'm knee deep in the real world now and it sucks, don't do it. Um, <laughs> uh, but just make let people know that they can come talk to you because be the guy. My thing is like, Dan, you said you like to joke about it and stuff, but how many people like made a joke of it too? And like, you could go and joke with that person about it, but you couldn't really sit down and actually talk stuff out with them. Mm -hmm. Like it's way different than being buddies with like being friends with someone and just like, at the end of a party and just sitting there and joking about it. Like, Oh yeah, me too, man. It's way different when you can be like, Hey, like you want to go like in the other room, and like really hash this stuff out. And then like, like you said, the next day you walk into the locker room and you look at each other and you're like, like that was that, that stuff's awesome to me. Like that's yeah. being able to be that person or to have that person. It's, it's priceless. It's so cool to me that like, you don't have to go talk to a therapist if you have the, it's, if you have the right people surrounding you. Mm -hmm. Totally agree, man. No, I totally yeah. agree. I mean, that's why being on a team is so important. I think it's important yeah. that guys make efforts away from the rink to hang out with guys and not everyone likes the same things, but there's a lot of people who have very similar interests and you can always find guys to, to do stuff and, you know, just making efforts that, I mean, especially in college, these are guys for four years. Exactly. You're stuck with them. So you better like them. You better respect them. And you better, you know, make efforts outside of the rink to not see them just when you get in the dry stall or like on the ice. I mean, yeah. it's important stuff. And I think that's why, um, you know, college is, is such a great time in the fact that you develop such close relationships and being able to develop, you know, deep ones and really get to know guys and be there for guys is just so important. We're all, fighting for the same goal. Yeah, we're fighting to be in the lineup, but at the same time, the big picture is fighting to win a national championship. And you don't want guys going to the rink hating themselves because that just it's just going to bring the energy down. And it's just not healthy to have guys feeling that way. Yeah. But, no, Renny, I mean, we appreciate coming on. We don't want to take up too much of your time here. I said a quick question, too, before you wrap things up. Yeah. Kind of what – um. What are some of the things that you maybe would have wanted yourself to know, you know, after getting cut for any player who may be experiencing that or has experienced that or, or will experience that? And also, you know, advice you have for someone who's going through a transfer year. And, you know, I feel like that's kind of a lot of players right now are sitting out right now yeah. for whether it's pro or college for whatever reason. So kind of just advice that you would have wanted to know. Um, I guess as far as being cut, um, like I said, uh, good things, like bad situations, 99.9% .9 of the time, something good's going to come out of it. Um, bad things happen to a lot of people and people handle it different ways, but I'm a big believer that if you just, just believe that something good is going to happen, it will whether you have to wait, like I said, a year, five years, 10 years, you're going to look back at something good that happened on your life. And you're going to say, wow, maybe that thing that went bad in my life, maybe that was for a reason. Um, and that is 100% how I feel. Um, my last year 
when our season got cut short, uh, I was a wreck just like everyone else was. Um, but I just, I made sure to, to tell people how appreciative I was of everything that I went through and all the opportunities that I did get. And that's the other thing that I want to say is, is kind of the humbling fact of it. Um, don't be afraid to like, to let people know when they've done something good for you. Um, I think I've said it to the coaching staff at Maine and all my teammates, the senior class that I graduated with, just how lucky I felt to have that opportunity and get to meet some of the greatest guys I've ever met in my life. Um, just, just don't be afraid to speak your mind because I know you guys have said it a million times on here, but there's always someone that's going through something that you are. And it's, it's once you have that first conversation and make that relationship with someone on a deeper level, um, it, it's, it's amazing. Like it's, it's so cool to me, the relationships that you can build in this sport, in your life. If you just put that little extra effort into getting to know someone, it's, it's really, it's cool. It's awesome. Yeah. No, we're, so, we were happy that you, you know, came to Maine, man. I'm so happy I met you and you were a hell of a teammate, hell of a guy. And um, it's awesome that you're telling your story on here. And I think that's some great words of wisdom for people who are, you know, going through the same thing as you. It's uh, important to speak up. And like you said, let those people know when they've done something good for you. That's a, that's something so great that it's important. So happy yeah. you said that too, but yeah, man, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Um, thank you for coming on. Yeah. Thanks fellas. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, thanks buddy. Yeah. Oh,